0: This is Reset. I'm Mary Dixon, in for Sasha and Simons power plants generate electricity, they also generate huge amounts of greenhouse gases. Reducing those gases is key to achieving our country's climate goals. But as soon as tomorrow morning, the U.S. Supreme Court will rule on a case that could prevent the Environmental Protection Agency from regulating these emissions. This could severely limit the Biden administration's ability to fight climate change. Here to tell us more is David Dana, law professor and director of the Program on Sustainability and Food and Animal Law at Northwestern University. Welcome to the show, David.
1: David, Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Also with us is Karen Weigert, the director of Loyola University Chicago's Baumhart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility and Reset Sustainability contributor. Morning, Karen. Morning. How are you? So, Karen, can you remind listeners why being able to regulate emissions is so important?
2: It's absolutely that big picture where you started, which is this is the fundamental question around carbon and climate change. And how is the U.S. going to meet its own carbon goals? And then how are we going to technically make that happen? And so regulation is a piece of that story. And in particular, this case that we're going to dive into is really about the electricity sector and electricity and power generation. That's the second largest source of carbon emissions from the U.S. government overall or from the U.S. overall. And so that's the conversation. How do we accelerate a transition to lower carbon when we're thinking big picture about climate change?
0: So in this case, the state of West Virginia argues that the Clean Air Act doesn't explicitly give the EPA the ability to regulate the power sector. Instead, they want elected officials in Congress to make these decisions. David, can you explain this argument and what's at stake here?
1: Yeah. So the uh, the coal companies and several states argue that the Clean Air Act uh, only allows regulation of the plants themselves like the emissions at the plants and that a clean power plan like the obama plan and at least some versions of the biden plan can't go beyond they call it the fence line they can't do things like encourage the plants to switch sources from uh, oil to natural gas they can't encourage trading uh, permits for pollution they can't do anything that's beyond the actual you know operation of the physical plant and that would make it very hard Uh, to actually use the Clean Air Act, which is the only statute we have, to kind of transform the energy sector. I mean, the big problem we have really is the Clean Air Act was last amended in the 1990s. It's not really set up to allow for a climate change transition, but Congress has been deadlocked. So it's all we have. And the question is, can this provision do that? And I think it can in a fair reading of it. it. But I think the conservative majority in the Supreme Court is going to say that it can't, that this provision doesn't give that much discretion to the EPA. And in fact, they're going to argue that for decisions like this, uh, agencies can only act if they're given really, really explicit instructions. And there's really no way Congress could have explicitly instructed uh, EPA to do this in the 1990s when climate change was on the table, but it wasn't really contemplated in the same way. So in some sense, I think they're really just trying to tie the hands of the regulatory agencies.
0: And, and President Biden's Build Back Better climate agenda did stall in the Senate earlier this year. So is this transfer of regulatory power to Congress an attempt to limit regulation of this industry, do you think?
1: Absolutely. I think the, the effect of this will be uh, that there's real huge limits on EPA and even other agencies to do anything. They're going to be uh, limited to very strict readings of these provisions. Uh, Congress really won't do anything. And even more than that, it really gives more power to the courts because the, the doctrine that the court is probably going to use, this major questions doctrine, kind of allows the court to decide when they're going to read a provision broadly and when they're going to read it narrowly. So I think for the court, right, this court is going to say that there's very limited jurisdiction to deal uh, agencies to deal with climate change, but maybe not so much in other contexts like national security. So it's giving more power to Congress, but it's also really giving a lot more power to the courts. And and
0: this was surprising. Um, there is no EPA rule right now or regulation on the books that directly addresses the power sector. Can you explain that, David?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. So the, the Obama plan never went into effect or, you know, isn't in effect. And the Biden administration has already said they're not going to reinstitute this plan. So in a way, this is a challenge against something that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, this plan. And so normally most courts would simply say this is not a justiciable case. This is just not a case a court can hear. You have to wait to see what actually gets imposed by the by the agencies. Um, and I think it is an example of the a Supreme Court really reaching, you know, really reaching to make law in an area where they want to make law, even though they don't have a case that's right to decide it. And I don't think you'd see a lower court doing it. I think it's part of the Supreme Court's, you know, arrogance, if you will, that they're going to do it. Um,
0: In in this case, and David, we're kind of front-loading the questions to you as the law professor here, a plaintiff is supposed to show that a policy or regulation causes harm. So how is the state of West Virginia, which is the plaintiff in this case,
1: showing that? They absolutely can't. But it seems like Justice Roberts and as kind of the pivotal ju- justice is willing to go along with the idea that they don't have to. That just the idea that there might be harm in the future would be enough. And that's not usually it. There's no harm here in two senses. Right. The first is this plan isn't in effect. There's no actual rule in effect that they're talking about. And the second is the electricity industry, by and large, has already complied for you know a variety of regulatory and business reasons with the goals of this earlier Obama plan. So even if it went back into effect, it probably wouldn't have much impact on any of these states. So I, I think there really isn't harm. And the government argued that very strenuously to the Supreme Court, that there's just no harm here, so there's no case to be decided. And it's possible, but I don't think you know, likely that the court will dismiss the case on that grounds. I think instead they want to make new law. They want to tie the hands of the agencies.
0: And, and David, in ruling on this case could put the court in the position of advising on the interpretation of the Constitution. And is that significant?
1: Yeah, the whole point or one point of our whole system is that U.S. courts, federal courts, don't give advisory opinions. They only do, they only give opinions to decide cases as is. And then, you know, those have implications for the future, but they don't advise, unlike some state courts or other uh, judicial systems. But this really would be very, so they're not supposed to constitutionally give advisory opinions, but in effect, I think this would be an advisory opinion. So I think it'd have a big impact on any new rules that could be adopted because people would know that they would be held unconstitutional. constitutional, um, but, but, but it's not about an actual rule. So it's a very bad precedent just for the role of the court, even if you kind of step aside from climate change as the particular topic.
0: And Karen, you're our sustainability contributor. Can you um explain why um something about this case that's a bit unusual is that many power companies express wanting the EPA to regulate their industry. Can you can you explain why?
2: This is a very interesting case, or as we've just been talking about, not case, simply because there is no law in effect on this. But the concept here is regulation of the power sector. And the association that represents the largest electric utilities, the Edison Electric Institute, they actually filed a brief essentially saying they agree that the EPA should regulate carbon. That's how it should happen. And if that weren't the case, it would be chaotic. And so just to put more context on this, these are the entities that provide power for about two hundred and twenty million Americans. They're in all fifty states. This is the core of the industry. And so they actually have said in their brief, you know, they're leading a clean energy transformation. They they cite the reductions in emissions that have come from their space, but fundamentally they don't want the chaos that they believe would happen if the EPA were not affirmed in regulating carbon in their sector. So it's very unusual because the group that's being regulated actually has come out and said, you know, we would like to be
0: regulated. Um, David, it sounds like this argument might resonate with some of the more pro-business conservative justices on the court. Um, Can you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, you know, I I think there was a a lot of skepticism about environmentalism and climate change among some of the conservative justices. You've seen that pop up. Less true of Justice Kennedy, who's retired, but of the current justices, I think that's true. And I think that this decision in a in a backhanded way allows them to express skepticism about the costs of really dealing with climate change in a major economic transformation. They're not going to say that directly, but by saying that Congress has to explicitly tell tell agencies to do this, they're in a way saying is it all is it so is it really so obvious we need to make this massive investment. So I think it I think it will reflect that kind of pro-business conservative ideology. Even though as you just heard, a lot of the regulated electricity sector actually thinks that federal regulation here uh, makes, makes good sense. I also think this is a big win for business outside of climate change, because this precedent could be applied to regulation about drugs, regulation about products, regulation about consumer safety. So it could tie the hands of all sorts of agencies that regulate businesses. So it's not just about climate change. Even though climate change is this huge thing, this is really about the, the whole regulatory system we have in this country.
0: This is Reset. I'm Mary Dixon in for Sasha Ann Simons. Should the EPA be allowed to regulate greenhouse gas emissions from power companies? That's one of the key questions in a case before the U.S. Supreme Court this term. And talking with us about it this morning, Northwestern Law Professor David Dana and Reset Sustainability Contributor Karen Weigert. So, David, you were talking about some of those possible outcomes. The court could dismiss the case. What would happen if justices do that?
1: Um, if Justice justices dismiss the case as basically unripe, there's no real case here, there's no standing, um, a case could be brought later once the Biden administration issues a new rule, because the Biden administration is in the process of issuing a new uh, uh, clean power type plan, and then it could be litigated again all the way up to the Supreme Court. It's also possible, depending on what happens in the 2024 election, That, in effect, that would all be mooted by the election uh, if the administration doesn't act uh, quickly enough. But it would basically start from scratch with Biden administration having the ball to decide what to what to put forth in a new rule.
0: Um, Justices could also allow the EPA to regulate, but with some limits. Karen, can you talk about what the the options might be in that case?
1: Yeah, as we've
2: been saying, there's a there are a range of possibilities. Uh, depending on what the Supreme Court does, uh, one of those might be that they continue to support precedent that the EPA can regulate carbon, but they take a narrow view of what that means. And, and that really is the it would apply just to the physical plant. And that focus would then allow for direct action at the plant. Some of the things we talked about earlier, making that plant, in a sense, more efficient. Uh, but it would eliminate the broader economy-wide opportunities for plants uh, for entities to look at perhaps savings between plants. Uh, so you you could look at things that would be directly at the plant site, kind of with the fence line is sort of the shorthand. That might allow some unique technologies on site. Uh, it changes the broader perspective overall. And that fundamentally changes then how you look long term at a transition that might look for things like more renewables, because this would narrow it directly to the plant
0: would that also involve um, actions like removing carbon from the soil and the air on their property?
2: In theory, a lot of this could get into more of the carbon capture kinds of technologies Mm. and uh, the reductions really on site. So when you're burning a fossil fuel to create the electricity, that's really where this would keep the the regulation space. Um, But if you're looking broadly, There's going to be really interesting economy-wide opportunities for electricity. If we're thinking big picture about some of the trends we're seeing, for example, with electric vehicles, you might see a lot more need for electricity. In the U.S., electricity generation has actually been been flat for about 15 years. There's been a shift in where that electricity comes from, shifting from coal to natural gas has been the primary, but also growth in renewables. But it's been flat. So there's really interesting questions down the road about will we need more electricity? So that raises questions you know, big picture about how are we going to create it um, and how do you think system-wide about electricity generation?
0: David, as you're looking at how the court has been issuing rulings earlier this week, earlier this month, um, looking at this case specifically, what would you paint as the worst case scenario?
1: Well, the worst case scenario, and I don't think it'll go quite this far, would be the court not only, um, you know, radically limits the reach of this provision of the Clean Air Act. But, that it, but it says that essentially uh, Congre- Congress violated the non-delegation clause. Congress didn't even have the authority to delegate uh, regulation of the transition to de- decarbonization. They, they couldn't do that uh, uh, constitutionally with Congress. That's, uh, they couldn't give that power to the agency. And they instead would have to be very specific about how it would be done. And if the court went that far and really basically said Congress can only give instructions to agencies, if they're really highly specific, otherwise it's unconstitutional, then you can imagine how incredibly difficult it would be for Congress to do anything dealing with a complicated nationwide problem like climate change. I don't know if they'll go that far. Um, I hope not.
0: Karen, if the power of the EPA were to be limited, not even that far, but how would this affect the ability of the U.S. government to address climate change?
2: So, the biggest sources of carbon emissions coming out of the U.S. economy are transportation, actually, number one right now. Uh, Number two is this power generation. And that used to be number one if you go back a few years, but there's been a bit of a transition. So, the U.S. government, as we've talked about, doesn't have a law in place right now that is regulating carbon emissions. And we've seen some reduction, particularly in the power sector, but it's not going fast enough. So, if you take the President Biden's goals of a 50 to 52 percent reduction in carbon emissions from 2005 levels by the year 2030. We're not on the trends to meet that. And so the tool, there will be multiple tools required to get to that goal. And within that, there's a U.S. goal of a 100 percent carbon pollution free electricity sector by 2035. The current trends simply won't achieve that. So the U.S. government looks for a toolkit to be able to drive acceleration, everything from innovation and research through scaling existing technologies, now, this is a piece of what would have been on the table, certainly when President Obama came forward and, and brought the U.S. commitment a few years ago to the Paris Accord, this idea of a clean power plant and essentially decarbonizing the electricity sector was central. It still is on paper the goal for the U.S. government now with with the Biden administration, but the toolkit would shrink significantly if the EPA can't regulate carbon and it couldn't accelerate this transition that would be needed to meet these goals.
0: And would that have an effect on the global effort to fight climate change?
2: It would, and I think... a way to think of that would be two two components. One is the direct emissions coming out of the United States. So the United States is the largest historical emitter, um, continues to be second largest emitter globally. So there's the direct effect of how much would be coming out of the U.S. economy. But the second big topic is, The U.S. was an absolute leader to get the Paris Climate Accord signed. Uh, President Obama made commitments on behalf of the U.S. and actually reached a bilateral agreement with China, the largest emitter, ahead of that accord. So the second big topic is what happens to global leadership and what happens to all the countries around the world if the U.S. is viewed as not able to deliver on its commitment directly and what does that mean for leadership and for the collective action of all the countries who have also signed the Paris Climate Accord. So it's definitely challenging.
0: And David, if it's possible, the EPA won't be able to regulate certain power uh, utility emissions. Um, will they? Will the EPA be able to meet climate goals by slashing emissions in other industries?
1: Well, not really, because as we just discussed, you know, the electricity uh, power generation sector is such a huge sector, uh, and we're here talking about kind of a power generation, right? Um, and in particular, you know, for for, for carbon emissions, for CO two emissions, I think this would really have a dramatic effect on that. I mean, EPA can do can do a lot of other things um, when they if they were to be able to make even stricter regulations on other kinds of pollutants, kind of secondhand that actually puts pressure to reduce carbon emissions at power plants. And and we we solved some of that during the Obama administration. So there are various things they can do around the edges. Um, they also probably, again, within the fence line at the plant, could p- push for uh, conservation, uh, efficiency efficiency goals. So I think there's still quite a lot they could do in a role, but but it's going to be more limiting. And here's the other point I'd make. It's probably going to be more expensive, so it's going to be politically harder. So one of the reasons the Obama plan was set up the way it was, was the flexibility was there partly to reduce the costs uh, for utility payers of this transition, by like creating more flexibility. And if you reduce the flexibility, Maybe you can try to get some of the same improvements, but it might be at bigger economic costs. And that just makes it harder, right? Because that adds to inflation, it adds to energy costs. That's exactly what I think the administration doesn't want to do right now.
0: Right. Well, we'll see what the Supreme Court comes out with uh, sometime before the end of its session uh, later this month. That was Northwestern Law Professor David Dana, Reset Sustainability Contributor Karen Weigert. Thank you both.